Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Three Ball. This is a new podcast where I will be talking about basically everything having to relate with basketball, primarily the NBA, because that is what I love the most. I am your host, Samuel or Sam. I do not have a preference. But let me just go ahead and I think the best way to start the podcast is to just tell y'all a little something about me before we dive into all the basketball stuff that we had happen. So a little about me, as I said, Samuel or Sam. Currently, I live in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. I've lived here for about two and a half years now. I'm 11th grader. I'll be a senior next year. College is kind of stressful, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But uh, for the majority of my childhood, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. So to answer your question, yes, I am a Memphis Grizzlies fan through and through. I'll try not to let the bias show too much, but it, it might come out here and there. But the reason, the main reason why I wanted to do this is because, well, first of all, I just love the game of basketball. I play on the basketball team here. Gr- granted, we don't have many kids in our grade, but I still play. I start. I do my job. And I also love just statistics. Like, that is what I want to study in college. So I've worked to create my own sort of statistics and... I'll be experimenting with stuff like that on this podcast. I hope that y'all are willing to hear some of that. But I think that's enough about me. I think we should move on to the basketball stuff we've got. Wait, before that, actually, I want to talk a little bit about the podcast logistics. Sorry. We'll get to basketball in a moment. So right now, I don't really have a schedule. I'm going to work on it. But chances are during the offseason, I'll be once a week during their season, hopefully twice, I don't know. Like I said, the schedule will likely fluctuate, but I'd like to establish some sort of schedule for y'all. I do have podcasts that I'm ready to go with. They are like off-season guides. I'll start those maybe tomorrow. They'll, they'll, they'll start soon. Don't worry about those. I will get those out. It'll just be one on every team in-depth things on what teams should do this off-season. Uh, that's just something that I think would be cool. I'll start on that. Hopefully I can finish it before the draft. That's the goal. So that is that. So as I said, I'll work on getting a schedule ready. Right now, nothing. I'll let y'all know when I have something. But I think that is enough about everything but the podcast for now. So I think we can actually dive into some basketball stuff, which is awesome. So if y'all are unaware, um, the NBA draft lottery happened, well, for me, it was this morning, technically, but for y'all, as y'all are, if y'all are listening to this on the day it came out, it was last night, May 16th, and this draft lottery has a lot of, I don't know the word, it's got a lot of hype around it, I guess, because you have one of the most highly, highly, like, advertised and, you know, fame, even, like, Victor Wimbanyama is so famous, like, you could ask most NBA fans, they will know who Victor Wimbanyama is, which usually they do know, have an idea of who the number one overall pick's going to be, but you don't always have this type of hype and excitement and build up around the draft lottery because of one singular player, and I think that Victor has warranted some of this. He's a 7'4", 7'5", big, who can literally do everything on the court because of his height, it's not difficult for him to block shots on defense, and he's, I mean, he's, what, he's only like 210 pounds, so he does need to gain weight, but 
That's not a worry of mine if he goes to the NBA. They'll work on they'll work on his body when they need to. But um so he can I mean he can shoot too. That's that's honestly the craziest part. He just has an incredible shot for a seven five big man who can finish. He has a nice touch. He's gonna be taller than I mean what NBA players right now are gonna none. There's there's no NBA players right now that are gonna be taller than him right off of rep. I mean, other than, like, Taco, I guess, but I don't even know where he is. There's going to be no one, maybe Bo, Boban, but I don't think Boban would ever get a Victor Wimbenyama matchup. There's no players that can match up to him height-wise. He's going to have the height advantage in every single matchup. And when you already have a pro- likely a shooting advantage on the center you're facing, and likely a shot-blocking advantage, the height advantage is just another thing to add to an already one-sided matchup. So yeah, the Victor hype is... I I think it's definitely real. He's going to have to monitor injuries, but I think he'll be fine. But injuries, I mean, they have derailed careers. Zion Williamson is the only other prospect in recent years who's had the type of hype that Victor has built. But Zion, as we all know, has dealt with injury problems three out of his four seasons in the NBA. I mean, he missed basically all of his rookie year this year. He dealt with it, and it probably cost the Pelicans a playoff spot. They were, what, a one or two seed at one point during the regular season? So Zion's injury, you know, hindered the team's abilities. I mean, it it hindered them a lot. They're going to need him back next year if they want to be competitive because they have a really, really nice young core. But we we ain't talking about the Pelicans right now. So hopefully Victor doesn't get injured because I really would like to see this guy who has this generational type of talent and excitement actually live up, live up to it. And now we'll move on to this team he will likely get drafted to, the San Antonio Spurs. And if you're Victor Wimbanyama, I think you couldn't, maybe you could be. I think this is the prime location for your individual development. Well, you've seen what the Spurs have done with players historically. You see their first overall draft picks, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, those guys are all-time legends. Those guys, David Robinson won multiple scoring titles, I, I believe. Tim Duncan got rings. David Robinson, I think, I think he got one with them. I think they played together at the end of their careers. He's also de- uh, Pops also developed guys like Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. Even the current team, you look at their best players, it's Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. Two guys who weren't drafted super high. So their, their ability to develop talent is incredible, and I can only imagine what they're going to be able to do with the first overall pick. They're going to be able to absolutely, I think, develop Victor into the player that he is desiring to be, the player that he could be that would absolutely disrupt NBA history and potentially have him as one of the go down as one of the greatest centers to ever touch an NBA floor. And as I said, San Antonio... I think for Victor, that this is the place you you would want to go most if you want to be right like historically great. Now the only thing is, if San Antonio doesn't get good soon, then there's a chance that Victor isn't around for too long. But I don't see that happening. I think that the management there will do what they need to do in order to get Victor the best chance of success. 
Because when you have a generational talent, you will do anything to keep him. We saw what the Bucks did with Giannis. They needed to keep him around, so they ensured that Giannis was happy by going and getting Drew Holiday. And look, it got him a ring. <laughs> I mean, it got him eliminated in the first round, but it got him a ring in 21. That's all you need. One ring can be enough for some players. Obviously, you want more, but one ring is... I mean, that's more than the majority of NBA players have. So, one... I mean, Giannis will be happy. I doubt he'll leave Milwaukee. And if San Antonio can do a similar thing to Victor, they will be just fine. Now, my one worry for San Antonio, and the one thing as a Grizzlies fan, that I was happy... as, as Like, let me preface this. As a Grizzlies fan before the draft, as a biased Grizzlies fan, I was wanting him to go to the San Antonio Spurs. And why is that? It's because the San Antonio Spurs don't have the other young pieces that some of these other teams have. The Houston Rockets have Jalen Green. The Detroit Pistons have Cade Cunningham and Jay Nivey. The Orlando Magic, they have Paulo Bancaro and a lot of other young pieces like Franz Wagner. They got a ton of guys there too. If Victor goes to any of those teams, he basically completes their rebuild. At that point, they go from a team with a ton of young guys looking for the guy to take them over the top to a team that's competitive. However, for the Spurs, this is the first year that they're actually like full-on rebuilding. They drafted Sohan last year with, what, the ninth, 10th pick? Something around that range. But this year was the year that they actually finished towards the bottom of the standings, had high odds to get the first pick, all this stuff. So they really haven't had a lot of time to build up this pool of young talent that can go around Victor. I mean, they have guys like Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. When I when I do the Spurs offseason guide, I will talk about those guys more in depth and how those guys, I believe, are good enough to be second or third options on the championship team if you develop them correctly. But for the Spurs, I think you would want somebody else. Like, say, say Victor went to Houston. Right, you have Jalen Green. There's your elite level guard, or at least a guy who looks to have the potential of an elite level guard. And then you have Victor down low. You still have Alperin Shingun, meaning Victor could play the four, which would be even scarier. So, San Antonio, like I said, they really only have Vassell, Keldon Johnson, and Sohan. Otherwise, they're kind of run dry. So, as a, like, as, like I said, as a Grizzlies fan, I'm saying I want him to go there. I believe that Victor will get them wins. Victor Wimbanyama and Greg Popovich will get you wins. I highly, highly doubt that they are going to be in the bottom four next year, unless they win the lottery. I don't, I don't think they're going to be a bottom three, four, five team in the league. I think they'll probably be around playing territory in the West because of Victor's talent but I could see them being a little further out just because they don't have those other pieces. But the reason why Victor going to the Spurs, at least as a Grizzlies fan, is nice, it's because I think San Antonio could be too good prematurely. And you don't want that as an NBA team. If you are too good too early, or if you have one player that, if you have one player that's really good and a mediocre team around him, that could really, really hurt the team long run. We've seen it with the Dallas Mavericks, right? They drafted Luka Doncic like the first year into their rebuild. 
And yeah, they became great immediately. Immediately, they became really, really good. But have they reached their ceiling? I think there's legitimate argument that the Dallas Mavericks have reached their ceiling in making the conference finals last year. They did what I think the Spurs might have to do, go trade for a superstar in order to just try to keep your players happy, try to compete for a championship because the other players are just inadequate. So if the Spurs just have Victor and he does what Luka does, they're going to be too good and they won't have the correct pieces to build a championship roster. I don't think the Spurs roster is anywhere near championship caliber. I don't think it's anywhere near. I think it's actually very far away. But I think Victor's going to get you a lot of wins. And as I said, if you are too good too early, that's going to hurt you. Because you're not going to have those other pieces when it comes time to win the championship. And that's what happened to Dallas. Now, I mean, obviously Dallas can still work with Luka, do stuff, and I think that San Antonio would probably do the same thing. I'm not worried about this for Victor. I think he'll probably win a championship at some point in San Antonio or elsewhere. I don't know. I think you can still build a build a really good team. But when you don't have those elite players, you still, like, not only do you not have great players, those guys prob- probably aren't the greatest of trade assets. If you don't have great trade assets, you may not get great players in return. And San Antonio is a fairly small market. It's fairly small. So I don't know how well they would be able to attract free agents. I think that Victor would probably be the biggest selling point, honestly. I think he would be the guy players would look at and go, yeah, I want to go play with that guy. I think we can win a championship together. Rather than, oh yeah, let's go to San Antonio. I think I could play well there. There's a very big difference. But even though those players may not want to come, I really don't anticipate player quality being a problem. I think you can go get the players you need if you really, really have to. So I think Spurs fans should still be really happy because you're getting the bona fide best player in this draft class. Potentially the best player since 20 years ago. That's just some speculation from different people. I think Victor could have a really, really successful NBA career. And honestly, he could go down as one of the greatest centers ever. Let's move on to the other teams in this draft lottery. So the second overall pick belongs to the Charlotte Hornets. And if if you're the Hornets, you have a decision to make, right? You have the guys on the board at two. Wait, let me backtrack real quick. With the second overall pick, the Charlotte Hornets have the most freedom in this draft because I think we all know who's going number one. Last year, it was Jabari, Chet, Paolo, who's going number one. We didn't know till draft night. This year, we know on draft lottery day. We know. So that means that Charlotte has the most freedom out of any team in this draft class because they can basically just look at every other player and say, that's the guy we want, and no one can take him from us. And if San Antonio does, well, then you get Victor. That's even better. But for Charlotte, the best player, at least in most mock drafts and everything, is going to be Scoot Henderson. But the thing with Scoot is he's a guard. And this Charlotte roster, your best player is a guard. 
And then you have Terry Rozier, who's probably your second best player. He's also a guard. But I talked about, I'm going to talk about this at least when I do the Hornets. I think that Terry Rozier could be traded. I think he could be. And if you add Scoot to a formula with LaMelo Ball, I think you could figure it out. I think that stuff could be figured out. I think you could, I mean, you could run Scoot and LaMelo. doesn't matter who's at the one. It doesn't matter who's at the two. Because I think they would just share ball handling duties. And then the other option for this for the Hornets is some guys like Brandon Miller. Now Brandon Miller, we all know with uh, you know all the incidents that happened when he was at Alabama, but he's still an incredible basketball player. He was the best player in college basketball, at least arguably one of the best players in college basketball this season. Definitely the best freshman led Alabama to a one seed. And if you're Charlotte, I think he's the best fit-wise. Fit-wise. Because Gordon Hayward is not your long-term option. He's just not. There's no light way of putting that. (laughs) But Brandon Miller could be. And if you pair up Brandon Miller with LaMelo, with P.J. Washington, obviously you may need a couple more pieces. But if Brandon Miller is really, really, really good, and you pair him with LaMelo, I mean, there's your two all-stars slash superstar caliber guys. And, and and we've seen that sometimes two guys is all you need. You can build the rest of the team around that. Like, that's what Boston has, right? They have Tatum, they have Brown, and they've built the rest of the team accordingly. I mean, obviously, Marcus Smart, I think, is actually the longest-tenured Celtic. I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure he is. I mean, the Celtics have some really, really good other pieces. I'm not saying that the Hornets have any pieces like that. But I think P.J. Washington, Mark Williams, Terry Rozier, maybe you'll go get somebody else. I mean, this is down the line, obviously. I think that could be a good team. Scoot could do the same thing for you. Then Portland. Portland has basically whoever Charlotte doesn't draft out of those two. Unless they wanted to draft on the Thompson Twins, I think Amen is the better one. I, I believe he's the better one. At least according to most you know, draft places, I think. Amen Thompson is the one who would be drafted before his brother Osar. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if I'm doing it incorrectly. Then you have other guys such as Cam Whitmore. You have Taylor Hendricks from UCF. You have, did I say Jarris Walker? I may have. I don't remember. Kaysen, well, I don't think Kaysen would go that high. I'm just a Kentucky fan. <laughs> so I'm just hoping Kaysen gets drafted fairly high. Who else is up there? I, I think it's those guys. I think that's the next sort of crew of players. So Portland basically, I mean, Portland is less independent as Charlotte is because whoever, they, Charlotte could draft whoever Portland wants to draft, and that would shift Portland's plans. But I still think you have a lot of freedom here. I think you could pair Dame with a Brandon Miller if he falls. I don't know if you want another guard, though, because the guards on this team are already set. You have Dame, you have Simons, unless you want to deal Simons elsewhere, which, like I said, I will talk about in the Blazers' off-season guide. So, Portland has options. The other option is to outright trade this draft pick, which I don't put past them, because Damian Lillard wants to be competitive now. And if you want to be competitive now, some you know, some rookie incoming guys may not be the best players 
to help you win now. So they could trade. The only problem is I don't know what team with good players will be willing to trade up to number three. I don't know which team would be like, okay, we will give you this all-star type of guy if you give us that third overall pick. Because if you look at the teams behind them, Houston, they don't have anything to offer. Detroit, unless you want to take Bojan Bogdanovich for the third pick and the fifth pick, I mean, you might consider that. I don't know if you'd want to do it, though. You would you'd only take Bojan if you're going to let Grant walk, I would think. Maybe you give them both. I don't know what Portland would decide to do there. Then you have Orlando. I don't think they would move up, but they could. Indiana, I don't think they have the assets unless they're trading Miles Turner. Washington, they could trade Bradley Beal. That that trade would have to include... I'd, would it just be for the third pick? I mean, you'd have to trade a contract, too. So maybe like a Nurkic. I, I don't know how that trade would work. That would be interesting, for sure. Then you have Utah. Utah doesn't have any assets, I don't think. Dallas, I don't know why they would trade up. Orlando again. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City could. They have a ton of draft picks. They could just say, here, Portland, we'll give you a ton of draft picks and maybe an okay player. Maybe they want Lou Dort. I don't know why, if you're OKC, you would trade Lou Dort, but maybe Portland wants him. Maybe we'll, like, we'll give you the 12th pick, a 2026-2025 pick, and Lou Dort for the third pick. That may not even be enough, but I'm just speculating. Toronto would be interesting. Toronto would be really, really interesting. I think Van Vliet's a free agent. I could be wrong. Trent, I believe, is a free agent. So let, let's just let's just say you let those guys walk. Okay, let's just say those guys don't want to be in Toronto, and those guys leave. Now you're stuck with OG, Scotty, Siakam, Pirtle, I guess. What if you explore a Siakam trade? You trade Siakam for the third pick. Like I said, there may have to be a contract involved, maybe swapping Nurkic and Pearl or Achua. I don't know how that exactly would go down, but that would be interesting as well. Those are at least some of the te- those are the teams in the lottery, and then you have other teams. I don't really expect many of these other teams. I guess Brooklyn in theory could. They'll be the other team outside of the lottery that might be interested. But unless you want to give up Mikel Bridges for the third pick, I don't think Portland will be willing to do that. So that's just a, yeah. So I don't know what Portland will be looking for if they were to explore deals for that third overall pick. Definitely be interesting to see a third pick traded. But I would not put it past them because Dame is tired of rebuilding. You want to build around your generational talent. You want to build around the guy who wants to be in Portland. He wants to be there. You want to build around that, if all possible. Next team up in the lottery is going to be the Houston Rockets. And for Houston, they sort of get whoever they want out of that next group of players. Because I think the top three seem to be, at least from my perspective, Victor, Scoot, or Brandon Miller, and then it's everybody else. That's at least the vibes that I'm getting. But one of those guys could fall. I think that Houston could use some point guard play. I think the Kevin Porter Jr. experiment may be over, or maybe you move him to the bench. I think he had a, if I remember correctly, he had a really, really good 
year this year. Statistically, at least. He had a really good year. But stats aren't everything. At the end of the day, Kevin Porter Jr., he had some stuff going on in Cleveland. Then Houston got him. I think he's been better in Houston, playing-wise, obviously. And then you have other guys down low that could be replaced. You don't want to get rid of Jabari. You don't want to get rid of Jalen. So I doubt they would draft a 3 or a 4. Sengun as well. I think that... I, w- I mean, I, at least personally, I think Houston should target a point guard, whether that is Scoot falling or that's uh, a Thompson twin who can play the one. I feel like one of or slash both of them can run the point guard position, so that will be interesting to see. And then I don't know any other point guards other than maybe Kaysen Wallace, but I doubt he would get drafted at four. That's kind of that's really high for him. So Houston should target a point guard. You mean, second overall pick, you could get Scoot for sure. I think at four, you're probably not, but there is still the possibility. Next up in the draft is going to be the Detroit Pistons. They already have their guards, so they'd be looking to get some bigs. Because I don't know if Bogdanovich is going to be back, because I think he'll have some really good trade value. Especially after this past season where he played really, really, really well. So maybe if Bogdanovich isn't there, you do want to go after a potential replacement at the small four position, such as a Cam Whitmore. Jairus Walker maybe can play there. Taylor Hendricks can maybe play there. Right now, my draft knowledge is very limited to like the first seven, eight, nine guys that are projected to go. After that, I'm not really sure who is expected to go. I'll obviously do my own draft research. I'll look into mock drafts. I'll do a lot of stuff when it comes time for the NBA draft. But for now, I am limited to whatever you know knowledge I have, which right now, as I mentioned, is not a lot. So Detroit, I mean, like I said, I would probably target a small forward. But the sad thing for Detroit is you lost out this year. Completely. You were the worst team in the NBA, and simply put, you lost. They were the only team out of the top four to fall out. I think Portland jumped in, and Detroit fell out. Which is obviously, you know, not what Pistons fans or the team wanted, right? Because Cade Cunningham was injured for basically all of this season. And so you wanted a guy you could rely on, even in Cade's absence, and, I mean, Victor Wimanyama is, like, the perfect guy. But, yeah, the chances of Victor are slim. They fell to five. I mean, this was, this was literally the worst option. They couldn't get any lower than five. They'll have the fifth pick. I would target a small forward, just based on position needs. Their their bigs also could use some help. I think they have their rotation of, what, Bagley, Stewart, Wiseman, and Duran. A bunch of good players, I think, the only one that they're going to be really, really invested in is Duran. I don't think any of the other guys are going to be long-term pieces that Detroit considers. So I think that if they do want to draft a big, they would not draft one to replace Jalen Duran. I think they would draft a power forward and place him alongside Duran. I, I believe Jalen Duran should start next year. I think he got some starts, but I think... Isaiah Stewart was probably the main starter. That's just 
assumptions. I'm not looking at any stats right now, but if I was, I could verify that. So Detroit has a couple of options. Next up is the Orlando Magic. They already have a ton of their pieces in place. They have Paulo Bancaro, who looks to be a potential superstar. He had a great rookie season, rookie of the year, well-earned. You have Franz Wagner. Wagner was, he took a step Took a, st- took a step forward this year. He's had some very good value for the seventh pick, maybe? I think that's where he was drafted. Something like that was where um, Franz ended up being drafted. Um, he's been really nice. Wendell Carter. I'm not sold on Wendell Carter, personally. I'm not sold on him. I think you could maybe go get another center. And then you have the guards. And the guards include... I mean, who, what, what they have... Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, I guess. I think you could use another guard there. I think that Markel Fultz, I mean, Fultz had a really, really solid year this year. Cole Anthony is one of the better backups in the NBA. He started last year. He had a really, really solid season. But I still think you could target a guard. Because I think out of those guys, Suggs hasn't shown enough yet. I'm I'm not going to give up. I think it's just his second year. I think you still give it some time. Cole Anthony, I'm not sure he's going to ever go up to all-star caliber, which he showed a couple of signs of last year. But but I think the organization knows best. If they put him on the bench, they probably know his limits, so I would trust uh, the magic on that one. And then Markel Fultz, he's a little bit older of a guard. He's sort of recovering his career, but I don't think he can ever get past the label of first overall pick in a draft with Jason Tatum. I mean, that that's sort of a hard label to, to get out of if you are Fultz. But I don't think any of those guys are... I don't think the Magic are going to be. This is a guy that we love. I don't think they're going to be like that on any of their guys. So I think they should target a guard. Like I said, there probably is going to be a Thompson twin here. There could be. If there is, take one. If not, try to get another guard. That would be my advice. Because I think the forward position is pretty locked up. Because I don't imagine you want Paulo at the 5. I definitely don't. I like him as a 4. He played really well this year. And you still want to play Franz. He did play, I think, shooting guard just a little bit this year. But I think he's better as a 3. I think you get, if you could get a bona fide guard, point guard, shooting guard, doesn't matter. Because you'll probably start Fultz still, even at the 2. Or even Suggs, he's played both. Anthony can probably play both. I don't think the exact position matters. I think you just need a guard in general. After Orlando is Indiana. And if you're Indiana, I mean, Victor would have been, like, the perfect player to pair up with Tyrese Halliburton, right? As far as just, like, individually, if I wanted to see him go to a team as more of a fun factor... Just because I think he, it'll be a really fun team to watch. It would have definitely been Indiana, 100%. I think Halliburton and Victor would have been such a fun pair. I think that would have been so cool to see. Turns out Indiana's going to be drafting 7th. And the Pacers are in this weird stage of a rebuild where they have this one guy. I mean, they're, they're, they're almost in that range that I was talking about earlier where you don't want to be too good prematurely. I don't think Indiana's too good. I think... It wouldn't hurt them if they were a little worse, to be honest. I don't think that would hurt them. Because Tyrese Halliburton, he's an all-star caliber guy. 
He's a really, really good NBA player. I think he all, he was leading the league in assists for a while this year. I don't know if he finished number one. and may have finished behind a couple of other guys. But he's incredible. He's incredible. And he can win you games. Then you have other guys like Buddy Heald. You have guys like Miles Turner that don't exactly fit the rebuild. Then you have Benedict Matherin, who started out the season really, really, really good. And then he sort of calmed down as the season progressed. If you can get him to a point where he is consistently incredible, that's going to be really beneficial for that team. And then the rest of the team is kind of meh. They're, they're kind of meh. You don't have any other guys I think you're really sold on. And, I mean, Miles Turner's name's been in trade talks since he got drafted, basically. That's what it feels like. He's been on that trade block forever. I think every player on this Pacers team is subject to trade, besides Tyrese Halliburton. I think Halliburton's the one piece that they're going to, you know, kind of ride or die with. I think they're going to basically judge their progression on him. They're going to use him to as sort of a basis. If he does better, then the team, in theory, is going to be better. I mean, he took a step forward this year. He's going to keep progressing. So I think he's going to basically determine how good they're going to be in the future. It's going to be him. However good he is is how good the team's going to be. But I don't think he's going to be... I don't think he's the number one option on a championship team. That's just from what I've seen. He could develop into that. He's only... I think he just finished his third season. I think he just finished his third season because he played a full year in sack, traded last year, this year. I think he finished his third year. So he still has plenty of time to grow, but from what I've seen, I don't think he can be the guy to win you a championship individually. I think... You need a different guy, like if they had gotten Victor, that would be the number one option. With Tyrese Halpburn is an incredible, incredible number two. So that kind of hurts. Maybe you can find your guy here at seven. I think they had the sixth pick last year, and they got Ben Math with that pick. So they'll have a similar type of guy, I would expect. I think a power forward would be useful. I think even a small forward or a shooting guard, because I think Matherin could play both. I would like to see Matherin start next year. He didn't start too much this year. I would like to see him give him more opportunities. Let him, you know, because I, I think if he can just tone down the shot, sometimes he takes some ill-advised shots. I think if he can take wiser shots and just score the ball like he was at the beginning of the year, he'll be a really, really valuable piece to an Indiana team that, you know, obviously has championship aspirations, just like every other team in this league. Then it's the Washington Wizards. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go through the top 11 in this draft, so I'll get through four more teams, and then we'll be done and move on to other stuff. The Washington Wizards, um, I don't know what the Wizards are doing ever, honestly. I, I just don't know. It feels like they always have the 8th, ninth, or 10th pick every year. And every year it's about the same caliber of player. They're in between Denny Avdia to Johnny Davis. <laughs> That's basically the range. Rui Hachimura is in that range. Obviously he's gone now. Corey Kispert's in that range. 
it just feels like they constantly draft the same type of player every year who's just going to be average. <laughs> I mean, Denny Avdi is not, I mean, I'm not one to on any of these guys, but none of them are what you wanted them to be. This Denny Avdi was supposed to be really, really good. He felt in whatever ninth, tenth pick Washington had. He's been okay, but not the fourth pick that he was supposed to be. I think the Bulls took Patrick Williams over him, and he just kept falling. But Washington has a few options. It depends on what they do with this team. I'm pretty sure Porzingis and or Kuzma have player options. I don't know. Oh, we'll have to wait and see on that. I don't know what they would want contract-wise. I don't know what they would expect contract-wise. I don't know if they would even accept their options. I think that Washington needs to do something, though. I think Bradley Beal is a great player, but I also think he has some really good trade value, to be honest with you. I think he's... This is... Every year, I think his value is going to just decrease and decrease and decrease because he's making a ton of money. He's making a ton of money. But he's just on this go constantly mediocre basketball team. <laughs> he's just constantly on it. So I would like to see him on a more competitive team when he's the best player or the second best player. Because we saw him with John Wall, but that was more of young Bradley Beal. John Wall is the guy, the the superstar. Bradley Beal's number two, but he was a good number two. I think it will be interesting to see him somewhere else. Maybe Washington decides to do that. I think you just... I, I don't see how you turn this team into a championship team quickly. So I think you just go in all in with the rebuild. Maybe that means trading up for that third pick. Maybe that means... I mean, I don't know what that means, to be honest. They have the eighth pick. <laughs> it's sort of a tough one to pick with, but maybe they can get somebody here. I doubt it. I would, I would expect, <laughs> knowing Washington, I would expect whichever player they draft to be right about lined up with the other players on their roster just because that's how the Wizards seem to draft players. Next team to draft will be the Utah Jazz, and the Jazz exceeded expectations this year, but I think you would probably want to have a better shot at Victor. You would want, you would have wanted to at least. But Walker Kessler's going to be a really good center in this league. He showed that his rookie year, he's going to be a really, really solid center. He's going to be really, really good. But then you have this team that's just completely empty, basically. The only guys that I think they're quote-unquote invested in the only guy, actually, I think it's just one player. I think Walker Kessler is the only guy that you would say, yeah, we're not training him. I think everyone else could be. I think Laurie Markkinen won't be, but he could be. He had a really, really good year. Kelly Olynyk could be moved. Jordan Clarkson could be moved. Whoever's playing their point guard now, Taylor Horton Tucker, Chris Dunn, I don't know. I think you draft a guard here. I think you need a guard to go along with this lineup. Because I don't think... I'm, I, personally, I don't want to see Talon Horton Tucker running their point guard. I just don't. I want to see somebody else. I want to see a rookie giving the reins to this team to play alongside a guy like Laurie Markkinen and Walker Kessler and let this rookie basically run the show. I think that'll be really cool. I think that's going to be a unique opportunity because most teams that are constructed like the Jazz aren't as good as the Jazz were. Most of them are trash or not good. 
I mean, honestly, roster-wise, the Jazz are <clears throat> about in the same place as the Spurs, maybe one step up from San Antonio. So whichever the player they get, they, they get could have the most opportunity out of anyone besides, like, Victor, obviously, in this draft class, which is really interesting. It's going to provide an opportunity for a, you know, mid-lottery pick to have a huge role, which is going to be really, really interesting. I'm excited to see who they pick. I would I would expect a guard. I think he could handle it, whichever guard they take. Maybe it's Cason Wallace. Like I said, I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm going to keep mentioning him. And then the 10th pick belongs to the Dallas Mavericks. And if you're the Mavericks, I mean, you got what you wanted, right? You didn't want to fall to 11. Because if, you, if you're 11, you convey the pick to New York. And it's literally the best pick that New York could have gotten if it would have if if it would have conveyed. But they end up with the 10th overall pick. I don't know what you do here. I don't know what you do with this roster. It's not good. I mean, they were, the, what, the 4th seed or the 5th seed? Kyrie came in. They fell to 11. I'm not necessarily I am not necessarily blaming that on Kyrie, but they need to do something, make some changes. I don't know what that entails, but we'll see if Kyrie is back. It will be an interesting offseason for Dallas. I would I would if you're Dallas, I think you need to sort of gauge the Kyrie thing before you make this pick. Cause if Kyrie's gonna be there, you might should explore trading it. You might should. Otherwise you just draft a forward or a big man who can come in and be helpful for Luka. I think that's what their objectives need to be. It's going to be an interesting offseason for Dallas. I'll talk about that, obviously, in their video. And then the 11th pick goes back to Orlando. I don't want to talk about Orlando, though. I already talked about them. I want to talk about Chicago and how, I mean, obviously, they had a long shot at landing the top, top four, right? Obviously, a long shot. They didn't get it. So Chicago is, once again, kind of screwed. They kind of screwed themselves over with the Vucevic trade, because they aren't as good as they thought they would be. Part of that's probably because Lonto's hurt, but it's whatever. You sign an injury-prone player, you you knew that going into it, and you <laughs> clearly know that now. So, Chicago losing out on this pick isn't unexpected. It's disappointing for the Bulls, but there's nothing you can really do. So, they're gonna, I don't know what they'll do with this roster. They may run it back. They may try to trade into the draft. I'll be intrigued to see what they do. They're a team that could trade for that third pick if they really wanted to give up like a DeMar DeRozan or a Zach Levine. I, if they really wanted to, they could go get that third pick from Portland if Portland is shopping it, obviously. That's just speculation. If Portland's shopping it, I think that Chicago could be a team that will be interested if they are ready to go. And just say, hey, our rebuild a few years ago didn't work. Our reconstruction didn't work. Let's just completely dive into this rebuild. Let's go get a young guy. Maybe he can be a new Derrick Rose. Who knows? And that's basically all I wanted to talk about for this draft lottery. The other teams rounding up the lottery are OKC, Toronto, and New Orleans. I don't really want to talk about those picks because they're later in the draft, and I don't know which players would be available then. So I'm just gonna skip it for now. I'll, you know, I'll obviously make a mock draft and stuff when the time comes closer to that. But that is not right now. Right now, I want to talk about this Lakers Nuggets game one. I don't, I don't want to talk about it too in depth, but I just want to talk about it a little bit. 
So you obviously have this incredible performance by Nikola Jokic yet again. He had, what, 12 rebounds, I want to say, in the first quarter? It was insane. And the Nuggets just absolutely destroyed the Lakers the first two quarters. Third quarter, it was about even, I want to say. And then fourth quarter, the Lakers turned up, but there just wasn't enough. Austin Reeves was doing everything in his power from three-point land to try to help him. But the main adjustment that Ham made was he put Rui on Jokic, and he put AD on Aaron Gordon, and then, I don't know why, Michael Malone or Aaron Gordon, Michael Malone told Aaron Gordon to go there, or Aaron Gordon was just going there. He was just sitting on the baseline and literally just allowing Anthony Davis to just show Jokic another body. He does that spin move, bang, right there's Anthony Davis. You can't get a pass off because you can't see where Aaron Gordon is. It's tough to shoot because you got two guys right in front of you. You either got to kick out, or most of the time Jokic would shoot a miss. Or turn it over because he's trying to force it to a guy he couldn't see or couldn't throw it to. And if you're Michael Malone, you got to make an adjustment. I don't think that Rui Hachimura will come off of Jokic, at least in Game 2. I would expect a similar approach from Ham and the Lakers. I think that was a good ending to the game. I know they lost was a promising ending because the Nuggets had this game won in the first half. It was, they they dominated. They dominated. A great performance by literally everybody on this roster. All all the guys except maybe, I mean, you could argue the bench guys, but not Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown played phenomenally. He had a really, really good basketball game. <laughs> they needed him. Um, But the Lakers should probably go with the same approach. The Jokic, or I said the Jokic, the Nuggets need to make a few adjustments. I think they will. I think Malone's a smart enough coach to where he will get Aaron Gordon in the perimeter. He didn't hit any threes today, but well, for me it's today. Y- y'all know what I mean. He didn't hit any threes. Gordon didn't, and his three-point percentage just isn't... I mean, it's not terrible either. It's not terrible. But if Gordon's not hitting threes, why would the Lakers guard him from three? I don't know. But if you can hit threes, you either force Jokic to be guarded by Anthony Davis... Or you force AD to come out of the paint to go guard Gordon. And if Jokic... Here's here's my thing. I don't think it matters who guards Jokic. I think he's a good enough individual player to be able to take the majority of players. I mean, obviously, guys like Anthony Davis are going to make it really tough one-on-one-wise. Ruby Hachimura might. But I think it doesn't matter. Jokic is going to be... Is still going to get points. He's still going to find guys open. I think you still have to send a double team to stop him. So I don't necessarily think that one-on-one matchup matters. I think it more matters having Anthony Davis as a second defender to come in and surprise attack Jokic. I think that's the bigger thing that needs to be talked about and the adjustment that the Nuggets need to make. Probably getting Aaron Gordon more on that three-point line. Because otherwise you have MPJ, Jamal Murray, KCP, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, all guys who can shoot the basketball. So you're not too worried about that. Which you could even take Aaron Gordon out of the game. If you really wanted to, he's a really good defender. He's got the LeBron matchup. If you really wanted to, if you feel like you cannot play him, you could take him out, put in put in a Jeff Green, put in a Bruce Brown, and you have shooters. Either Anthony Davis guards Jokic or... Rui does, and everyone else can shoot. So if you help, boom, pass three, because Jokic is going to find him. You know that for a fact. But otherwise, for the Nuggets, the first three quarters were really, really good. They played a really good brand of basketball, team basketball. All their starters had double digits. 
just contributing in many ways. Jokic, I mean, he's just been doing this all playoffs. He looks like the best player on the planet right now. It's, I, I don't think you can say he doesn't look like it. I, I don't care if you say he's not. But right now, he looks like the best player on the planet. And, I mean, 34, 21, and 14 says a lot. That's, that's ridiculous. But you can't overlook what Anthony Davis did either. Anthony Davis came out here with a 40-piece. He had a 40-piece. That's incredible. And if you're the Lakers, you're going to need that going forward. But I don't know. I think it's actually a bad sign if AD had 40 and you still lost. Because Anthony Davis is known for being inconsistent. He could come out next game and put up 15. Which you need more of Anthony Davis if you want to win a playoff game. And if he gives you 15, the chances of you winning is pretty low. So you're going to need consistency out of Anthony. And if you can get that, they're going to be in a position to win this series, I think. Because the, the way they finished that game was really, really good. Really, really promising. Because uh, the the Nuggets have weapons. The, the, the Lakers really, they have some guys. But the Nuggets, I think, you have guys like Jokic who can take over a game. Jamal Murray is very consistent in the playoffs. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are two of the most... Con- I mean, Jamal Murray had that one crap game against Phoenix. But Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are two of the most consistent players in the playoffs right now. They're two guys who you can count on for being really, really good and helping this Nuggets team win basketball games. But the Lakers... I don't think you can talk much about consistency other than maybe LeBron. Maybe. But he's, like... When I say consistent, it's not consistently great. For LeBron, it's consistently good. There's a very big difference being between being consistently great and consistently good. And if you're the Lakers, you're going to need more out of D'Angelo Russell going forward. You saw that in the series against the Grizzlies. The reason why they won that last game is because D'Angelo Russell hit those three threes back to back to back. If you have D'Angelo Russell rolling, this Lakers team is really, really hard to stop. They're really, really difficult to beat. Because then you have Austin Reeves, who's usually on from three. You have LeBron James, who's one of the best players to ever play basketball. You have Anthony Davis, who's an incredible shot blocker. We've seen that in this series. And he's had times where he looks like one of the, like the best player on the court. On a court with Stephen Curry. On a court with Nikola Jokic. On a court with Ja Morant. He looks like, I mean, AD's probably better than Ja, but AD looks like by far the best player on the on on the, on the on the court. And if you have that version of AD, this series changes. If you have even 15 to 20 point D'Angelo Russell, just not 8 point D'Angelo Russell, you have anything out of D'Angelo Russell that's helpful, it's going to absolutely change this series. I think that the Lakers will have a shot. I still think the Nuggets are going to win though. I'm I'm still confident with the Nuggets. I think I trust I personally I trust their players more. I just trust them all. I think they've been really good this playoff series. They've beat some of these quote unquote super teams. They beat the Suns. Timberwolves are the Timberwolves. They beat the Suns. The Lakers are a, they're they're fairly similar to the Suns in the sense that they have two superstars and some other good pieces surrounding them. I think the Lakers do have more weapons than Phoenix does at the moment cuz DeAndre Ayton is I, I don't have any words. That That's really all I can say. I don't have many words for how DeAndre Ayton plays sometimes. But you know how... I mentioned this earlier. You know how these guys in the Nuggets are going to do. You know they're going to give you stuff. If you can get 21 points out of KCP, it's going to be a good night. And they did. 
and they won this game. Let's go ahead and pivot real quick to the other series. That's the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I mean, and this is a really, this is going to be a really fun series, because on one hand, I think Boston could come in and just absolutely dominate. But on the other hand, I think Jimmy Butler could come in and just say, nah, I'm winning this series for me and my team. It, I don't know which way it's going to go, to be honest with you. I, I don't. It's going to be interesting either way. Because I think you have this you have this matchup. Jimmy Butler against Jason Tatum. Two guys who are absolutely incredible in the playoffs. We just saw what Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum did in that Game 7. 51 points. And if you watch that third quarter, that third quarter, oh my gosh, he was not missing. He was hunting Joel Embiid on every screen. He would step back, hit a three. He would just, there's one play, he just literally just ran. Ran around uh, his primary defender and Embiid on his way to the rack for an easy layup. He just ran right by them. It was so easy. So I think that Jason, I mean, if Jason Tatum plays like that, they're going to win the series. But you have games like, what was it, game five? Was it game five? Maybe it was game six. I think it was game six. Where... Tatum is trash for three, three and a half quarters. And then he just comes out and takes over. You need that takeover Tatum more often. If you have that, you're going to win this series. Because Jimmy Butler is constantly in takeover mode. And if he's not, he's making his teammates better. Jimmy Butler knows how to make his teammates better. He's so good at it. He might be the best one in the league without... Like, he's, not, he's not even a point guard. He just makes these guys so much better. He makes them play better. He makes this team win games without Tyler Hero, who's arguably their best shot creator, other than Jimmy. Other than Jimmy, Hero's their best shot creator. And you don't have him. You rely on guys like Gabe Vincent to make shots. You rely on guys like Max Struz, Duncan Robinson. Kyle Lowry's been nice off the bench. You rely on these guys, but Jimmy Butler knows how to get the most out of them. There's very few guys in the league who can do that. The guys who can are special. That's why Jimmy Butler is special. So I think that matchup is going to be interesting. If Tatum can do anything remotely close to Jatum, what the heck did I just say? If Tatum can do anything remotely close to Jimmy, it's over. I think Boston's going to win. Because you have the other, like Boston's supporting cast is so much better than Miami's. It's just so much better. You have Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart, the right, last year's Defensive Player of the Year. You have Al Horford, who absolutely clamped Joel Embiid. Robert Williams, I think, I don't know if he'll play a lot, but when he does, he's usually pretty effective. They started him in those last two games, I'm pretty sure, and they did good. It worked. Malcolm Brogdon, Sixth Man of the Year. Derek White, he plays really, really solid basketball. I think he's an important piece to this you know, championship potential championship run. Grant Williams, I know he didn't play very much at the end of that series, but he comes in and he usually gives you good minutes, but I don't expect to see too much of Grant. Miami's team, they have, as I mentioned, Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, Struess, and Robinson as the main guards. Haywood Highsmith sometimes plays. You have Kevin Love, Caleb Martin, Bam, and Cody, <laughs> Cody Zeller. <laughs> Can't forget about Cody Zeller. So the it's 
I don't think the top two are going to be too different. I knew I would probably say Jalen Brown is better than Bam, but I don't think that difference is too one-sided for Boston. I think Miami can keep up with that. It's just the other guys. I mean, Boston's next group of guys is just so talented from top to bottom. The seven or eight guys they play every night, you know what to expect out of them. Sometimes they don't do it. (laughs) Sometimes that team does not play well. But most teams have games where they don't play well. So you just got to be able to weather that storm and come back from from it. And if you're Jason Tatum, you need to know how to do that because I think Jimmy Butler is an expert at that. Whether that's doing it himself, helping his teammates. Jimmy Butler knows how to weather those storms. I'm not sure if the Boston Celtics do. They've been to the finals before. They have tons of playoff experience. I'm not worried about that. I think the Celtics are the better team. I think they are going to win this series. But I would not be surprised if Jimmy Butler comes out and says, I'm going to drop 56 and we're going to win this basketball game. Or he goes up to his teammates and say, hey, y'all are going to win this, okay? I'm going to help you. Don't worry about it. Because Jimmy Butler knows how to do that. I'm, I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how he does it. He makes literally every player so much better. And he does it in the playoffs. Whatever magic he he works, bro, he needs, like, other players need that. Other players need that. But this has been the first episode of the Free Ball. I don't know what platform this is going to be up on. I know it'll be on YouTube and probably Spotify. At least it'll be on more. If you are, please show support however you can. I hope that y'all enjoy this. I'll probably have another hour long at some point. Like I said, I'll work on off-season guides. Those will get out pretty regularly. So I'll be expecting those, like I said, pretty regularly. And thank y'all so much for listening. And until next time, I'm out.